Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai, and I'm the editor in chief of Auto Trader. And my name is Dan Alika, and I am the road test editor of Auto Trader. So, Dan, <laughs> what's the deal with all these new EV companies? I don't know. <laughs> so, like, here's where this episode kind of got its inspiration from. So, Dan last year um, was invited to Vietnam with a new EV company called VinFast. Um, and there are a lot of new EV companies popping up all the time. Indeed. And we kind of wanted to explain why this is happening um, and why it's kind of interesting um, and relevant to you as a car buyer who, who lives in Canada or elsewhere. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, we can get into the, the whys and whatever, but you will notice a lot more now, especially with these, you know, targets uh, worldwide, but in North America and Canada, you know, looking to, to have 100% of new vehicle sales be zero emissions by 2035, you're going to see more companies trying to get in on the action. Yeah. Um, VinFast is one of them. It's kind of the, the newest, I would say. Yeah, so you might have heard a lot of new ones like VinFast or Rivian or like Bollinger or, you know, there's a whole bunch of them popping up. And the reason why they kind of started popping up is because, well, Tesla inspired a lot of um, tech and software companies to try to get into the car making business um, because you know Elon Musk without having any experience in the automotive industry has built this giant um, basically from scratch. We should here's a, a, a quick demystification you know we like it we can hit, hit him, him with, with the, the sound. sound. Uh, a lot of people you know yes Elon Musk is the the CEO um, of, of Tesla, but he didn't actually found the company. No, um, he purchased it from another company. He was, yeah, he was like an angel investor. And then as part of his, you know, buyout, his takeover agreement, um, he got them to change the, the language in like their founding documents to list him as this sort of like founder but he he didn't he wasn't there at the start you that's know? correct like, uh, um yeah but just to put it into perspective like even to this day even though tesla is enormous they're still referred to as a startup company um because it's not one of the legacy automakers like a ford or a gm or something like that right um and so tesla was founded in 2003 just 20 years ago, which, wow, that makes me feel super old. Um, but it didn't come out with its first car, which was a Tesla Roadster, in 2009. Yeah, that's... Which is a lot... Five years... That's a lot of lead time. Is a lot of lead time, you know? Um, but then the Tesla Model S didn't come out until 2012. And so at that point when the Model S came out is when the brand started to become much more mainstream. And that's where kind of the tide started to turn for EVs becoming a reality. Like people really started to get on board. Tesla did a lot to help uh, make EVs more desirable and sexy because like prior to that, there, there was nothing basically. Yeah, it, it's, it's like a, a really, I do give Tesla a lot of credit for, you know, popularizing and just making it okay to drive you know it used to i remember when it was a big deal that steve nash remember like the canadian basketball player drove a prius when he lived in phoenix yeah. and played for the suns and people made a big deal out of that and like you know even though tesla's look different ish than than you know conventional cars it made it okay for them to look different whereas the prius was always 
you know, looked at with this weird, like, oh. It looked different in a nerdy way, whereas Teslas looked different in, like, a really appealing way, yeah. which I think did a lot to help make them so popular. Totally. And so, the, you know, there's a lot of these new companies popping up, um, but they're not really new companies. A lot of these companies have been around for a long time, and they're just trying to, like, dip their toe into building EVs because the theory is that building an EV is a lot easier than building an internal combustion car because yeah, there's, there's fewer moving parts exactly. and stuff like that. Yeah, like, you can, you know, let's say you're not, you don't build, and, and a lot of these companies don't, you know, s like, make their own parts. They source them from suppliers just like, you know, legacy automakers. Um but because there's less parts and, and it's just a lot of it has to do with, you know, programming the computers to talk to each other. So you can work with companies like LG, you know, to source your batteries and like Bosch to get your motors and then just slap them together, put a body on it and yeah. boom. And the thing I know I'm really oversimplifying, he, but, he is, but, but it is but it is kind of that simple. Um, there, you don't have to worry about these like over the top, you know, emissions control systems and how that's going to work with, you know, the engine and transmission and the all wheel drive set. Like there's so, it's so complex building. That's actually VinFast, you know, the, the claim, the, the history. So VinFast as an automaker, I think it started in some, something like 2017, uh, and started building gas powered cars in Vietnam and their chairwoman told told us during this this kind of press conference sort of situation that we had uh, when we were in Vietnam. I asked, like, was it always on the you know was it part of the plan to to be to to make nothing but EVs? And she said yes, but the decision to build gas powered cars first was to kind of learn the more technical building process and then strip that stuff away. See, that's actually a really smart way to go about it. Um, but a lot of these companies are kind of just starting from scratch with having no experience making automotive stuff at all. And the thing about a lot of these companies is that they're tech companies, they're software companies, and that's like a really sexy thing for an investor. Like investors love putting money into tech companies. But we've seen that go sideways. We've seen it go bad and we've seen it Bollinger go really well. Bollinger was one of the ones that had some issues with, you know, like some deceit and like fooling investors and then yep. Lordstown, um, which is so Lordstown, the, the backstory there is that GM used to have this big plant in Lordstown, Ohio, pulled the plug, pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> on the factory. And so these former employees got together and started this company in Lordstown, Ohio called Lordstown to build EVs in that old GM facility. There, I think he's now the former CEO, uh, had claimed that the company had all of these deposits down for pre-orders on these vehicles. And it was like in the thousands. It was he was saying like, oh yeah, we've got all of these orders on the books for these trucks. And then it started to come out that no, they weren't orders. They were just kind of letters of intent um, showing an interest. If the vehicle is as good as you say it is, we will order them. But it wasn't actual orders. But there were no deposits placed, no money and exchanged. And it really, yeah. and it called a lot into question. There were investigations involved. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the thing, right? You've seen a lot that it's easy. It's almost like, you know, cryptocurrency and NFTs and all that, where it's such an easy way 
to almost, you know, fool investors to just go, hey, yeah. you know, I build EVs. And they're like, great, here's my money. Yeah, because and then it's everyone like, oh, thinks man. they can be the next Elon Musk, right? Exactly. Everyone's like, oh, this guy came from nothing. First of all, he, he didn't come from nothing. Yeah, like, he's not a yeah, self-made rich person. Um, but it's very enticing, you know, to an investor to be like, oh, you're saying that I could be the next Elon Musk? Like, here's all the money in the world. Well, yeah, it's just like they want to get on board with these, you know, schemes, essentially. Yeah. And then it turns out that it's all smoke and mirrors. And so a lot of these EV companies that arrived, disappeared now, some are still good and there are still some that have like some very promising products, you know, an actual business plan. Look at, okay, I think Rivian is a good example of this, right? Rivian's a great example. You've driven the... Did the R1S, which is which the is SUV. SUV. There's also a truck. Um, you liked it. Overall, the, the reviews... Uh, both owner reviews and professional reviews have been overwhelmingly positive. But what, so I would say, you know, Rivian has kind of the best chance at following the path. Yes. But if you look at the struggles that the company's, it just delivered its first batch of Canadian vehicles in like December of 2022. And that was supposed to happen a year before that. So even though Rivian is on the path to success, it is still facing a lot of you know hoops to jump through. It, it faces its own struggles. Yeah. Um, and with a lot of these new EV makers that are coming out, um, and even Tesla struggled with this for a while too, is scale. So it's breaking into well-established markets where yeah. people have very loyal um, you know, trust for automakers like Ford and GM. It's very hard to compete with companies like that who have like literally a century of expertise and knowledge and distribution with yeah. making cars, right? And so a lot of those new new EV makers, they can make a car or they can make a really cool concept, but beyond that, they struggle with scaling up their business. It's also interesting to look at the, their different approaches though, right? It's like, you know, the vertical integration and stuff where conventional automakers versus companies like Tesla. If you look at, you know, for again, just, just going to a brand like Ford, um, it relies on so many suppliers, right? And Tesla, you know, does too, but Tesla is very interested in owning all of its own processes. Mm -hmm. And that leads to problems, right? So like Tesla had its own like supply chain management software, which why would you not just you like Cisco is a huge company, right? And like, that's what, that's what it does. And that to me is like, you know, the, the, it's great to think outside the box and try something new. Um, but it's also not a guarantee to work. And I think that, you know, a good example of it is VinFast, right? VinFast, how do you make a splash? How do you separate yourself from the rest of the pack? VinFast went to this battery subscription model. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it is kind of crazy. Uh, so basically, you buy the car. I think now on the VinFast Canada website, the cheapest VF8. So that's the first vehicle. It's kind of the size of like a Volkswagen ID4. Um the, the cheapest one you can buy is like 55 grand before freight taxes, whatever. Okay. But that is for the vehicle without the battery, even though it comes with the battery. But what you have to do is pay a monthly subscription to drive it. 
And if you exceed the amount of kilometers in a month, so let's say it's like 400 kilometers a month, you know, then you're going to have to pay just like on, you know, let's say you lease a vehicle and you, and you lease it on a, I don't know, like a two year, whatever, 24,000 kilometer lease. So you have 12,000 kilometers a year. If you exceed that, you have to pay a penalty for every kilometer you go over. That was kind of this VinFast subscription model. You subscribe to the battery. And then if you exceed, I think the, the cheapest subscription gave you like something crazy, like you know, it was like a few hundred kilometers a month. That model is so weird to me. So then without any, you know, kind of announcement, just changed the website. It was like, oh, now now you can buy it with the battery. And when I was there, it was like an extra twelve or $14,000. Wow. Now if you look, it's $10,000. It's crazy how quickly things have changed <laughs> and whatever. But But again, it's like... Interesting to see the way these automakers, these, you know, upstart automakers try to change the game. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, they want to reinvent the wheel, but that's not really the right thing to do. But no. the thing about VinFast is that it is an enormous company. Yeah. And this is kind of what you discovered when you went to Vietnam. So, like, tell us about that experience. Yeah, so so Vin Group is massive. And you're you're talking, like, everything from hospitals to schools to you know resorts. commercial yeah commercial real estate amusement parks everything and it's kind of like this crazy like i hate to say it but like this this cradle to grave like you can be born in a vinfast hospital and then like work for vin or vin group sorry and then you know work for vin go to vin university this is real this isn't me making this mm -hmm. stuff up there's actually a school called vin university um go to work for one of the companies subsidiaries like VinFast and then die in a Vin Group nursing home. Like oh it's it's really? literally they own like your entire life cycle can be spent in the right. Vin ecosystem. Um but the company it's so the VinFast name it's not it's an acronym that means stuff like style and reliability and whatever. Um but I think it's ironic because the speed at which this company works is ridiculous like slow fast oh fast but not necessarily in a good way right so they like took us to this to this big real estate development that from afar looked beautiful all these nice homes but when you looked like the quality of the construction just mm. wasn't great but they were really wanted to show off at how quickly they built. oh we you know just I started see. construction last september and it's like, okay, but it doesn't look great. Yeah, and, and we then, all know that quality doesn't equal speed. Or sorry, quality doesn't... I'm messing that up. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? It's better It's better to be thorough than first, right? Right. And that's what I look at it. Where Same with the university. It's this cool... It's inspired by, like, I don't know, the like old kind of Roman style. You know, that's always that big thing with education, right? You want it to look this really, like ornate beautiful and it does it looks from afar these buildings look like they could be super old like out of that you know computer game civilization right? right but they're brand new but they're like brand new but then when you get like the steps are like crumbling and it's like oh boy Yikes. but they really want to go on this whole look at how fast we did it all so then same with the car company right vinfast was dead set on 
delivering its first batch of vehicles to North America by the end of 2022. And I was there in September, and there were like these parking lots loaded with built VF8s, right? Ready to go, but they were waiting for, you know, government approval, essentially. There's so many, like homologation, there's so many rules and regulations involving cars because, you know, we all drive them and there's safety implications and everything like that. So they have to be approved by all these government agencies. Canada and the U.S. work together. We've, you know, we share the same standards, so it makes it easier. You don't have to qualify in Canada and the U.S. If you're approved, you know, by like the whatever National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and all of that sort of stuff, then Canada will recognize that mm -hmm. as, okay, you've, you know, you've got, you know, Transport Canada will say, good, here's your certificate, right? But it still takes time because the emission standards are different. They have to go through a different division of the government, whatever. It's, you know, a right. bureaucratic mess. So VinFast technically did live up to its promise, at least in the States. But the promise was, oh, cars would be delivered to Canada and the U.S. And then the press release that I got was, I'm not even joking, it was like December 29th. Oh, like cars delivered to customers as promised, but they were only in California. And it's like the cars, when I drove them, felt like they weren't quite ready yet. Mm. They still needed software updates. They And that's normal, but it's like, why be so eager to get the cars into customers why would you not want to make and you could learn from tesla in the early days and even still now like quality has been a big concern mm -hmm. and it's just really dogged the brand so why if i were in charge at vinfast i would be like look let's make sure we do it right let's make a good first impression yeah i remember asking in that press conference like hey what's you guys have no like physical footprint in terms of real estate for like i understand it's going to be one of those you know like online models there's going to be like a showroom and a shopping mall and that's how you go about checking it out but like what about service and madam tui the the chairwoman of the company uh she said oh we we think a lot of that stuff can be handled over the air and <laughs> i just thought to myself if i hit a pothole right and bust a control arm, you can't fix that you over the air. You can't download a new control arm. Now, one of my closest friends, shout out Jeff Richards, told me the other day, the former Infinity dealership in Guelph, Ontario, now has a VinFast sign. Interesting. I haven't seen it in person. Um, I'm taking him at his word. So if, if he's lying, well, then, boy, I'm going <laughs> to. Well, I mean, they also opened up a physical showroom in the Yorkville neighborhood of Toronto, which is like one of the fanciest neighborhoods. I thought they opened one at Yorkdale Mall. It could have been, yeah. So, yeah. like, they, but you can't actually buy one now, right? Not to my can knowledge. Can you buy like, a VinFast not... in Canada? You can. You can, like, order it. You can, you can put your deposit down uh -huh. and all that stuff. But, like, as far as I know, deliveries have not have not happened in Canada. Here's the other crazy thing. I am a firm believer that you should price your vehicle right, but, and that doesn't necessarily mean cheapest, right? Mm -hmm. But how crazy is it that unless this new pricing for the battery subscription model um, changes things, 
back when back in September when I drove it and did all those stories about it, I crunched the numbers as best as I could. There was no VinFast VF8 available that fell within the um, parameters of the zero emission rebate program. Right. And I think that's really important, oh, especially man. for our market, because especially if you're coming into our market with our population not knowing much about your company, you know, you don't have a proven track record to ask that much money for your vehicles. That's like really ballsy. It just, it's it's kind of risky. Yeah, it's crazy to me that you would not like that. You know, it's called an incentive for a reason, yeah. right? It incentivizes people. Why would you not want to price one low enough that they could qualify for that $5,000 federal right. rebate I, that just really sweetens the pot? Okay, and so that brings me to Rivian, right? Yeah. Because Rivian, right now, you can't get one in Canada. Canadian deliveries of the Rivian well, I vehicles. I think they started. Have they? Yeah. Okay, but those vehicles are approaching the six-figure mark. So they're yeah. expensive vehicles. Um, but the point about VinFast and, and Rivian is that Rivian's vehicles are so cool and so desirable yeah. and so well built that I think they can get away with charging that much money and still sell out um, all of their pre-orders. I look at Rivian, now you've driven it, I haven't. I've just you know been able to check them out at auto shows and I've seen a couple in the wild. But to me, it's like you know, buying some some high-end technical apparel. That's exactly what it is. Where it becomes like, you know, it's a showpiece, but that you can also use. It doesn't just look the part. It's even very though... practical. So I, I drove the SUV version and I loved it. Like I, I didn't really find any faults with it. Like it drove well, the range was accurate. It has a lot of range. It's practical, it's well-built. It looks really cute. Like if you haven't seen it, it looks like a little Disney sidekick. Or how about this? Like it, it's like buying a Canada goose jacket, right? Where it, you, nobody would argue that it's, that's like pure vanity. Mm -hmm. People wear them just, you know, to, to look good. They love that little patch on the arm to, to show off. But the reality is, their jackets are stress tested to like extreme conditions. Like you could show up, you know, in the Arctic in a Canada goose jacket and be ready to rock. Yeah. And like professional Arctic explorers use these jackets. So, you and, know, it's good. And that's what I yeah. think of with Rivian, right? So it's like, even though the vast majority of them are going to be bought and driven by people who just use them to get to work and take the kids to school and all that great stuff it's built to actually do more than that? Yeah, it's it's actually built as, a, they, they bill it as an adventure vehicle. Yeah. And what I really loved about Rivian, and when I was driving it, I was able to speak to um, some of the, the people who helped work on it. Um, and they have all these really cute features in it, like there's a, you know, a flashlight that's in the door that charges while it's being stowed. Um, there's a removable Bluetooth speaker you there's can take out crazy, to your campsite. Like camp kitchen that you can pull out of the truck? It has so many of these really clever features. Yeah. And what I like the most about Rivian, and they're a relatively small company, right? But they're, to me, the ones um, who I can see the most success for as like a newcomer to the automotive world. 
is that because they're a small company, they can do things really quickly. Yeah. So I asked the guy, like, why why did you guys decide to put this cool, this like this Bluetooth speaker? Like, it seems like such an extra cost, extra complications. And they're just like, we just thought it would be cool. Yeah. And that was enough reason for them to put, like put that, it in though. this mass produced vehicle. And I love that attitude. And that's what's really cool about a lot of these small automakers is that they can just do things because it's fun. Yeah. So they don't have any of these like expectations to live up to where like it would be a lot harder for someone like Ford to justify that to like the board members yeah. because it would cost so much extra money, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah, with VinFast, I think the VF8 is, you know, close to like it's it's ready, it's just not perfect yet. Yeah. It's okay. Um in my experience, it drives reasonably well but that's the know. difference between that and a, and a rivian where it's yeah. like the vinfast like it's okay it's yeah. fine but the rivian i'm like that's cool i love it i but want that's one <laughs> my thing right is like why be in such a rush to hit the yeah. market you know instead and i feel like maybe i'm wrong and I, and I do get that you know people try to time you know their purchases so that it's like oh well my lease is expiring and whatever but like i don't think many people out there are going to buy a car from a startup automaker on a timeline, right? So if you were to say to these, what they like to call VIN first customers, because they love all of these. Everything like, is clever. VIN something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they, if they, you know, if, if the management and the salespeople and whatever were to say to these customers, hey, look, we know that we wanted to get these cars to you guys by the end of the year, but we want to wait until, I don't know, April because we're just fine tuning things. I really do feel like those customers would, most of them at least, would appreciate that transparency and yep. that attention to detail and being like, you know what? Great. Because, yeah, this is going to be my car for yeah. the next. And if it's going to be good, years. I don't mind waiting a little bit extra for it. Exactly. Instead of being like rushing to get it into customer yeah. hands when it's like not quite ready seems like we watched Tesla struggle through that same issue in its early days. And, you know, that reputation yeah. still dogs the brand. Yeah, but if the vehicle is good enough and it's desirable enough, like the stuff that Rivian is coming out with, then, like, people will wait and they don't mind waiting. Like, people have had their orders for Rivian for over a year now. Yeah. Um, and the car hasn't changed, but it's it's so desirable that, you know, people don't mind waiting. So... It's a really interesting time to be part of this automotive industry because so you much drove, is changing. Wait, you drove the Lordstown, what, what's it called? Oh, I drove uh, the Lordstown Endurance. That's the only vehicle it makes. Yeah, right now. So Lordstown is an interesting Boy, it's case. it's ugly, eh? I don't think it's actually that ugly. Really? But the, the thing wow. with Lordstown is that they're, first of all, they're, they have a few legal issues that they're dealing with. But second of all, their vehicles are only meant for fl fleet customers yeah. right now. So this all-electric truck... Um, kind of like the, the VinFast thing. I drove it. It was fine. I was impressed that there was, you know, a physical truck in front of me and it was real and it had some like interesting um, technology. Like it uses uh, four wheel hub motors. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different from the other EVs out there. Um, but, but they're only targeting to make 500 of them a year for fleet customers. So, so for for us, it's not super relevant because, you know, a regular Canadian car shopper can't go out and buy one. But it's still interesting. It's the same thing. I remember um, Bollinger, Stephen Elmer, our, our friend and, and occasional contributor, um, he checked out the Bollinger, like, 
in 2016 or and something like that. And that thing was cool as heck. It looked like a Rambo car. It was so crazy. But the, the, the momentum died so fast. I don't even know what's going on with that I haven't company. heard anything about that for a long time. But that's just another example about how quickly one of these EV companies can rise. And there's so much buzz about it. And then, like, all of a sudden, it just dies out. And yeah. that happens a lot. Yeah. There are, at one point, a couple years ago, there was a new EV company every couple months. There was like, oh, this new EV company from this country is going to be selling cars in the next five yeah. years. And they, most of, of them have a disappeared. a lot of them from China that yeah. we heard about that were targeting the North American market that yeah. have gone And so what people dark. are doing now, um, so if you look at like, you know, there's been rumors about an Apple car for a long time. There's been like Sony, like all of these big electronics companies are trying to get into it. But they realize that it's hard to do on their own. So what they're doing now is they're partnering with established automakers to help them um, with that transition. Imagine an Apple car, how quickly the charger would crack and you'd have to buy a new <laughs> but one. But they'd have oh like a proprietary shaped charger that will only work and then they'll change out the charger shape two years later so you have to upgrade to a new one. I really <laughs> wish those companies would stay in their lanes. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, you like the Sonys and Apples of the world are are great companies like that do, you know, they're, they're great at what they do is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. But like, you're not great at building cars, and you might be okay at at interfaces, but you're not good at automotive interfaces, right? Just because you can build computer systems and entertainment systems that that you know work and are user friendly doesn't mean the same thing translates to the auto industry. Yeah. I think the latest rumor was that. So and I don't even know if it was a rumor. I think it was confirmed that Sony and Honda were working together. Yeah, they came out with a concept car together at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas uh, this this January. Yeah, and so that to me makes at least a little bit more sense because it's cost sharing. Honda's been big on that, right? Mm -hmm. Honda and GM have have been working together on on varying degrees of electrification. Um, Honda's planning to use GM's Ultium platform yep um, and even Rivian first... I think teamed up with someone as well now I can't remember who yeah it was. cost sharing is important so I get that but again it's just like Apple like I don't know man that's not to me that's just not a good it's a good way to waste money but what but you know that people would buy it if it came if Apple came yeah, out with a car I'm pretty loyalty, sure man. people would be lining up around the corner to get their hands on one even if it wasn't that good yeah it's it's Apple has really built that yeah you know that brand loyalty to know and I, I have an and iPhone for them. and all kinds yeah. of an iPad and all kinds of Apple stuff but I just I would not be be down with with an Apple car I mean, yeah, that's 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 I don't think ever gonna happen. There's no. been there they've been rumors about an Apple car. Wasn't for years and there was now. a Google car, and that kind of fizzled out as and well. And I think the person that used to head up Apple Car went to Google, and then that's kind of off. I don't know. These guys are all just like yeah. It's like home speakers, right? All those things like you can talk to Amazon and and yeah. Google having those things, and it's like they're hemorrhaging so much money, and they haven't figured out like. What they what they're coming to the realization is like, wait a minute, this isn't profitable, right? Yeah. If you look at these, like, what can you do with a Google Home speaker? You ask it, like, who played this song or whatever. That's it, right? They they the microtransactions don't add up, and I don't know anyone who's actually using these these speakers to like order groceries or whatever. But even if you could, 
how much is Google actually making? What they're realizing, it was kind of like a vanity project that's going nowhere. They're going to realize the same thing with cars. It's yeah. a waste of their money. They need to just stick out, stick to what they're good at. Yeah, and it's crazy how how these tech companies think it's so easy to to build a car and not only a car, but build a fully autonomous car, which doesn't exist right now. But for and a, it probably won't. And that's why I that's why I dislike you here first, folks. CES so much is because everything that comes out, well, most things that come out of CES are like we've built this autonomous blob concept that will you can take a nap while you drive it. I'm like, but that's not real. CES, it's now, an idea. Okay, look, I have not been on the advice of like the Sammy Hadjassads of the world a uh, good friend of ours who said don't go it's it's just a mess of people and bloggers and whatever but it I can't think of a more Orwellian experience because to me auto shows have been like that for years right in terms of the concept cars but they're grounded in reality CES everything is like Think about everything that you've heard of come out of CES is stuff like curved TVs. Dumb. <laughs> you know, like... Things that these, seem cool but fizzle almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. it's all these pie in the sky, like, you know, Big Brother is going to run your life. Like, no. Just, if it if it debuted at CES, it's probably not going to come to fruition. I mean, there were a couple interesting things that came out at CES. Like, Ram came out with the concept for a new EV truck. Uh, that's going to come. Like, I can tell you that there's going to be a But that was announced ahead of time. Like, you know what I mean? It, yeah. It, sure, okay, it debuted there. Talk about late to the game, by the way. I know. They're the last of the big three to have uh, an EV truck. Number two in truck sales in North America, okay? You've got Ford with the F-Series, and then Ram directly underneath, and then GM, you've got the Silverado and, yeah. the, and the Sierra. Ram should have been on this. This is what I talked about in I the know, last episode. But Ram is too busy trying to still sell us V8-powered Challengers oh with God. fun paint colors. This is, But this is what I meant, right, in the last episode. Like, unless you tell automakers you must do this, they will not do it. Or if they do it, they will be kicking and screaming. And it sucks because you talk to a guy like Ralph Gilles, who we had on our first episode, and he talked about how great it is to design. He's the head of design for North America for Stellantis, the parent company for Ram. He talked about how, you know, the freedom that they have to, to design EVs is amazing. But these, like the, the executives, the brain trust of these companies, they don't want to do it. It's expensive. They know that people aren't super stoked about it. So unless you say you have to do this, they will not, and Ram is a great example of that. Yeah, and it's and I, I get where that comes from too, because at this point, automakers, most automakers do not make a lot of money from EVs. No. Um, and a few years ago, automakers would lose money yeah. on every EV that they sold. So I understand that for a business, that's not really appealing. Economies of scale, though, right? You gotta like, you gotta, you know, build them. You gotta sell yeah. them. You're gonna start to make money. Profitability is gonna now, go up, right? Now it's more about future-proofing your company than anything else because that's where we're going. And now yeah. they're kind of having to catch up, right? Yeah. Which is, which sucks. Exactly. Um, but it's a very interesting time to be in this industry because so much is changing. EVs are really like changing the way we have to think about um, transportation and the industry in general. I just saw that NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration told you know lawmakers in the states um that they're concerned so they're in charge of like safety testing for the u.s government um so you'll see those like five-star crash tests safety ratings all that stuff NHTSA is the organization that does that 
that they're concerned about how heavy EVs are and how they are going to perform in collisions with people with these with these lighter you know gas powered cars mm. because you and the example that was used was that the Hummer EV the <laughs> the battery pack alone weighs about as much as a Honda Civic. Oh my god. The Hummer EV is like a 9000 pound vehicle. It's like a house on wheels. So like if that collides with I don't know a Nissan Micra. Yikes. Right? I don't like I I feel very confident. I've seen crash testing. I've seen what goes into cars nowadays. I have so much confidence in the way that they perform, but I don't care, you know, how well built that thing is. I mean, you know, that's just it's like... like a David and Goliath situation, Exactly. Right? So, anyways, it's interesting, like you said, just watching how, how they've changed things and, and continue to change things and evolve and, and seeing an organization like NHTSA talk about that for the first time. When, when I read the headline, I thought, because it said, you know, NHTSA concerned about uh, the impact of heavy electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, oh, we're talking commercial vehicles here. Oh no, passenger vehicles. This was just about passenger yeah. vehicles. Oh man. Yeah. And now now think about the fact that we have commercial vehicles on the way. The the Tesla transport, whatever that thing's called, that is never going to be real. No, because again, that they they promised that that transport truck would be fully autonomous. Like there's no driver, and that's just our infrastructure just can't handle that right now. We could do a whole episode on these like on the on the lies that EV makers have have like these promises that they've made that they've never the Tesla Cybertruck is another one. Like, yeah. oh boy. If a Tesla truck ever came to fruition, it will look nothing like that Cybertruck. But Elon Musk got a huge tax-free, you know, loan, essentially. Yeah. All those deposits that were put down, the company doesn't have to pay taxes on that loan. It works out to be a loan. It funded his company. He will refund those deposits when people go, oh, it's not real. Right. Or people yeah. will just forget that they put a few hundred bucks down and then the company is golden. You've been duped. <laughs> I mean, we can do a whole episode on that maybe for another day. Um, but if you had any questions about like the EV industry or like what's the deal with all these companies or like which ones we've driven, which ones we're a little bit um, hesitant about, please email us at expert at trader .ca, And we'll try to answer some of your questions in our next Ask an Expert segment. Um, today's Ask an Expert question, it's, a, it's not really a question, it's more of a response to our road rage episode where Dan and I got really grumpy about all the bad driving behavior we saw. Um, so this one comes from Tak Wang Chan and says, Hi, I hope you do a show to discuss phantom drivers who deliberately drive with no lights on because they think if they do anything wrong, no one can see their license plate and make, the, make out the make model of their vehicle. These morons have the gall to further endanger the rest of us by being stupid, and the police don't seem to care about pulling them over to warn them. I may appear bitter, but a lot of people don't seem to use their common sense these days. Smarten up or be gone, he says. Whew. I mean, Strong words, but um, I don't Here's what disagree. I'll say. I mean, okay. And I know it, it was, you know, embellished a little bit, because here's the thing, right? Not having your lights on, you could turn your exterior lights off and the the lights on your license plate will still be lit up. That's, that's yeah. it. So, so that's not why people, people, phantom drivers exist because people don't Forget. know that they need to turn their lights on. Yeah. Transport Canada has talked about this for years, right? It used to be fine. Back in the day, like my 95 Ford Escort, 
If I didn't have my lights on, I would know because my instrument cluster wouldn't be lit up. Now everything is digital inside, so as soon as you get in, it's all lit up and bright so you don't think, hey, are my lights on? But most cars these days have an automatic setting. But for whatever reason, people don't use them. Why and turn it off? It doesn't make sense. It's not even about turning it off. Transport Canada had this whole thing a couple of years ago now that they that they wanted to mandate automatic lights that were that defaulted to on. Which makes sense. Totally. Except the I wrote a rant about this because the mandate fell short because it was, yes, they had to be on, but it to me, they should just, there's no reason for you to not have your mm -hmm. lights on. You were still allowed these automatic settings that could be turned off. So even though some automakers have responded by the default, like you have to physically turn them off mm -hmm. and then they default to on, a lot of them still, even if you look at the signal stock, the default setting is off. To me, I just leave my lights on and then in my golf, it'll ding at me if I go, if I leave the car without turning them off. Oh, my car's a little bit newer for that. So mine uh, has an automatic setting and I always keep it Yeah. because it's so dangerous well, to drive but without your lights the, on. The reason I do it, I've even tested this in many like brand new cars that, that you and I drive. Um, and the Kia Soul EV is a great example of it. I was driving out to meet Will for our shoot. It was like, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning because I had to charge. And it was dark and it was raining. The lights were in auto. And those lights are supposed to come on when the when the wipers are on. Didn't come on. Really? And this was, this was like last week. See, that's super so, annoying. That's something that they definitely have to fix. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, driving without your lights on is so, so dangerous. Yeah. I've had to slam on the brakes multiple times. Um, if there's someone like a phantom driver on the highway, I saw an, oh, I saw an OPP officer in the rain and I was like trying to get his attention because he was driving like totally phantom car on the QEW and, it was and a I was like, officer? Oh boy, they're supposed to like, be setting an example not, for everybody. Not a good look, but. Anyways. Anyway, thank you for your rant. If any of you want to share bad driving behavior that you've seen on the roads, you can email us at expert at trader.ca. Or let's brighten things up. Share your optimism about these upstart EV automakers. Yeah. If you're feeling good or if you put a deposit down on one of these EVs, tell us why. Tell yeah. us why you decided to put your faith in this company. And Absolutely. Yeah, if you're we'd love a current EV driver and you've been having a great experience, let us know about it and we yeah. can help spread the word. Um, so this guy, this episode went a little bit long. We get really heated about this stuff, but thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Own the Road with Auto Trader. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you guys.